0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's no secret the Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray wants a contract extension. We started yesterday's show talking about Kyler Murray and his agent and what Tony Kornheiser, on pardon the interruption, likened to a a ransom note, basically. Hey, if you want this quarterback, pay this amount of money, and then we'll give him to you. His agent released a statement that said actions speak louder than words. And that the Cardinals should be rushing to extend their, quote, rapidly improving quarterback, end quote. Kyler's great talent, but rapidly improving might be a stretch because he's had similar numbers all three years in the league. And these are good numbers, Pro Bowl numbers. But if actions speak louder than words, his performance in the playoffs certainly don't bode well for him. Because Murray completed 55% of his passes, no touchdowns, two interceptions versus the Rams in the wildcard game. Actions speak louder than words. If you're going to pay a quarterback $45 million a year, you need to show up in big games and or at least have an overall winning record, which he doesn't. Now, the Cardinals aren't going to get rid of Kyler Murray, I don't think. But it does put them in an interesting position. Because if Kyler Murray, let's say you play this out one more year before you pay him. But let's say he doesn't improve. Let's say he gives you 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, rushes for 700 yards. That's what he does. And those are good numbers. Those aren't great numbers, but those are good numbers. I want to see if they advance in the playoffs because really that's the key. Because he might be a Russell Wilson type quarterback where he's not going to have big numbers but he's going to be dangerous. He's going to be daring game on the line. That's the guy you want. He can beat you with his arm and his legs, but you start to make these kind of demands and I would wait. I'd wait it out. Uh, now you might upset him or his agent, but what if, what if he doesn't give me a great year? What if he underwhelms? Then I can move on a little bit easier and the fan base will probably say, yeah, he's not worth the headache. I do like Kyler Murray. Uh, I, I think he's, he can, has the potential to be a great player. But I think that there is, there's a polarizing aspect of him. And, I, you know, I can look at this and say he's immature. I mean, he's young. He's 24. But he's being a businessman. If you're going to be a businessman, then you have to be grown up. And, and I don't think that yesterday did him any you know, great service. You know, if his agent and Kyler Murray talked today, I want to know if they go, yep, we had a good day yesterday. Because I don't think they did. I think they had a bad day, perception-wise. But you have to think these things through. You have to sit down and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, what kind of reaction do you think we're going to get? Oh, they'll probably be this kind of reaction from the media. What about the Cardinals? Oh, they probably won't do anything. They won't say anything publicly. Okay, well... What if the media says that we're, uh, you know, holding him up for ransom? Well, that's okay. But I don't know how you could go through this process and go, man, we had a good day. Now, we did talk about Kyler Murray. Then you start to dissect his career. You start to look at what he does and doesn't do. You compare him to other quarterbacks, other quarterbacks who got their uh, contract a year earlier. And I understand that. You can say Jared Goff. Did he deserve it? Well, he went to the Super Bowl. Now, is he a franchise quarterback? No. But he went to the Super Bowl. And I'll put that on the Rams. I don't know why they extended him, but they did. Um, Carson Wentz, he got extended. And I think we thought he was going to be the MVP. Uh, Josh Allen got his contract extended. Uh, Patrick Mahomes a year early. Okay, but, you know, I look at Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes in a different category than I do Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray needs to prove in the playoffs. There are a lot of great regular season quarterbacks. You know, Lamar Jackson, I haven't heard a peep out of his camp. And Lamar Jackson is far more worthy of a a contract extension. Right? I haven't heard anything with Lamar Jackson from his camp, Lamar, anybody. Now, is that going to get done? Yes. Like Baker Mayfield. I would not extend him. And this is where you bet on yourself. If you're Kyler Murray... You just say, all right, I'm going to bet on myself. And, and I don't know if that's what he did yesterday, but Dak Prescott bet on himself. And if you are that good, then bet on yourself. Because Kyler Murray wants it now. Well, I, I, I'm still not sure if I want to give you $45 million a year. And I know that sounds strange because that's the going rate. I just can't wrap my head around everybody the next guy up gets this kind of money. Is Kyler Murray Deshaun Watson? No. Not everybody is Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers wants 50. And then his agent's pointing out that you got broadcasters are making 20 million. Josh Allen deserves the money. Patrick Mahomes deserves the money. I guess if you want to say somebody deserves 50 million dollars. Hell, we're paying John Wall $42 million to not play basketball. So it's not like you go, man, the Packers are going to have to pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million. Yeah, and that's the going rate for great players. Kyler Murray's not in that category, but he's the next guy up. I would be waiting to see what Lamar Jackson gets. And then maybe that helps your case. Maybe you get more money out of this. But I'd be betting on myself. But I can't imagine that they thought that it was going to be a great Great day yesterday with that strategy because it's like, here, Shefty, report this. And then let's see what happens. Discuss 845 in the morning. And then everybody was all over this. And then what happens is you start to look at the negatives of Kyler Murray or you start to downgrade him because of this approach. If Nobody's saying anything about Lamar Jackson today. Nobody's going, you know, I don't know if he's worth $45 billion. Kyler Murray... That's the discussion you're getting. You know, is he worth that? No. And let's see what he does in the playoffs. What kind of poll question do we have today there, Seton
1: O'Connor? That actually is a perfect springboard, Dan, to our one poll question. Yesterday's letter from Kyler Murray's agent was best for Kyler or the Cardinals? Uh,
0: I Well, was it best for the Cardinals? I guess it's best for the Cardinals if they get to the point where they want to move on from him. I don't know if this helps in the negotiations other than, I mean, you know, is, is he humbled by this? And all of a sudden he goes, you know, second thought I, I you know, let's get a team friendly contract here. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if there's anything that they, they look back and go, you know what, this is going to change our approach here. I, I, I don't, I don't see that. So I don't know what it means for the Cardinals that they're going to get him for a cheaper rate, Or they get a little bit more of a hall pass if they decided not to extend
1: him. What else do you have, Seaton? Well, there's another bombshell story that's just been rocking the sports landscape. Did the Packers deliberately snub Aaron Rodgers on the U.K. promo? Yes, no. Oh,
0: gosh. Okay, so the Packers are going to play in London. And they hadn't played there. And they were going to uh, uh, recreate the uh, Abbey Road photo with the Beatles. And have four players walking across the crosswalk. Where'd they get
1: that idea from? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so I think you have a coach and four players. Bakhtiari's on there. No Devonte Adams. No Aaron Rodgers. And now all of a sudden, it's like, what's that mean? I, I I I can't imagine that the Green Bay Packers front office didn't know about this because of the sensitivity level uh, when you attach Aaron Rodgers to this. I, I can't imagine that somebody goes, hey, uh, who did the uh, promo for the London game? Oh, Jimmy Lipper and uh, Tommy Snell, you know, our 225-year-old intern. I'm like, I don't think that happens like this. <laughs> I, I I don't think you have that where you go, I just slap some guys together. Nobody's going to be uh, reading into this. I, I would, if I'm the Packers, I would go into it with the approach of, We want Devontae and Aaron on our team. We expect them. We hope they're there. Like, we're thinking positive things here. Not, I don't know, do we put him in there, do we not? I would go under the assumption Aaron Rodgers is under contract and we want him here. And we're planning on him being here. But to leave Rodgers and Adams out of the tweet for the London game? I mean, I guess that's a topic for McAfee today with Rogers on the show. Hey, do you feel snubbed by this? You know, nothing uh, that maybe a $100 million contract couldn't (laughs) fix. Uh, Aaron, sorry about the London snub. Here's
1: two years, $100 million. Okay, I'll get over it. Yes, Eden. Devontae, I could see leaving out. Because he's a free agent. Yeah. So he's not even technically on the team, I guess. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but he's a free agent. But Aaron is still, I don't know. It seems crazy. All right. Do you think they should have
0: put Aaron Rodgers in that picture? Paulie? Should have.
2: Okay. Yeah, you should have. Okay. Because it's it's the the clearest star on the team, Fritzy? Just his sensitivity alone to everything, Rogers, is reason enough to f- incorporate him somewhere in
1: there. Yeah. Seton? No, I don't think they should've. All right. Because Mar- he, he's doing everything about it. It's this grand unknown mystery, the illusion of if I'll be back, I don't know, where will I be? We have to watch and see, like, okay, dude, then we're not gonna put you in the thing. No big deal. I mean, you could have Aaron Rodgers
0: go, I'm not a Beatles fan, He's you a know? mystery! Yeah. Marv, do you think that the Packers should've put him in there?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sensitivity level. He's the star. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Paul. Why not do a separate post after this
2: with Aaron Rodgers and the Queen of England? They're standing there at the castle. They're both single. You know, they're both. Who knows? Mm.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't think she's in good shape right now. You know? Sensitivity level for the the Queen. Yeah, I got to worry about the Queen, too, if I (laughs) put her in there. Man. Sensitivity level. Amber alert. Devontae Adams, I get. But I still would have put him in there just to say, like... It's not where we're going to go at the start of the season. Oh, can you believe that they put him in the picture and they're not even on the, the Packers anymore? I don't know. That.
1: There could be other things to talk about than you left Aaron Rodgers out of a picture. I think Packers fans in London will <laughs> be very upset. <sighs>
0: The hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the all-time greats, only one place to collect them all, Panini Trading Cards, the official trading cards of the DP show, instant classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, and more. Start or continue your collection now at paniniamerica.net. What's Kyler Murray's uh, rookie card going for? I'm curious. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how this uh, goes with the value. of the. I, I was wondering about Ja Morant's. You know, uh, trading cards now, rookie card, something like that. You know, two years ago this week, we did a poll question. And it was, if you could redraft, this is two years ago, would you take Zion or Ja Morant? Both rookies. And, you know, Zion wasn't staying in the lineup. He wasn't consistently healthy uh Ja was playing, but you know, he's playing in obscurity with Memphis. Now Memphis is the number three seed. And and Zion, although marketing wise is a bigger name, uh obviously, but Ja Morant, John ja Morant is making a case for MVP this year. Now you can say, what? Well, there are three seed. And I could look at Demar Derozan with what the Bulls have done, uh, Joel Embiid. I mean, there's there's a few players that you can put in there, but Ja Morant deserves to be in there. When you think about it, you know, Ja's third season, so he's 22, averaging 27, six and six. Zion last year at age 20 averaged 27, seven and four. And I know when we talked about this, I talked about Ja Morant if I look at this bigger picture-wise, has a better chance of being more consistent and staying healthy. Zion could give you highlights, but his highlights aren't anywhere near what John Morant's are now. Because two years ago, it it felt like, you know, Zion was the highlight guy. And then John Morant was the guy who got one scholarship offer. And now you look at this, that's when I look at these rankings, when they go like, oh, you just signed a five-star recruit there. You missed out. Somebody missed out. A lot of people missed out on John ja Moran. Murray State. And that was by accident. Uh, uh, you know, guys were scouting somebody, and they saw uh, uh, John ja Morant playing a three-on-three game at a basketball camp. So the scout's not even there to see John ja Moran. He's there to see somebody else. He goes to get a snack. All of a sudden, he looks over and sees this kid in a three-on-three <laughs> game and going... Who's that? And that's how he ended up at Murray State. But that's why when I look at these, oh, that guy, man, he's great. Now, Zion was worth the hype. I just, you know, this season is really going to be, we're going to look back on this season and go, you know what? Like Michael Jordan when he broke his foot. And you thought, oh, you know, the way he plays, is he going to have problems with this? Uh, Derek Rose, when he got hurt, is he going to have problems with this? Well, Derek Rose did have problems with it. Michael Jordan did not. I think we're going to look back on this with Zion and go, man, that could have ended his career or severely limited him. And But unless he turns into Joel Embiid here, you know, Embiid started slow those first two years. Now he's maybe the leading candidate for the MVP. But does Zion even want to be in New Orleans? And as I said a couple months ago, this is really, really concerning. and it, And it has been. And he probably won't play this year. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get the phone calls coming up. We'll settle on our poll question. Is that what we're going to go with, uh, Seaton? You want to go with the uh, rerun, the yeah. the one from two years ago? No, no, no. I want to go with uh, Kyler Murray. Okay. Because I'm going to ask Florio about, the, you know, what, what was the logic behind all of this, and did uh, Kyler Murray and his agent accomplish what they set out to do? Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. We bring in Mike Florio, the popular co-host of Pro Football Talk Live. You can see that preceding our show on Peacock with Chris Sims. And his new book, Playmakers Must Read. It's coming out March 15th. It can be purchased online wherever books are sold. Who's going to be upset by this book, Mike, when it comes
2: out? Everybody. Yeah? No, I don't know. Look, I, it was funny because my wife was reading a draft of it last summer, and when she finished it, she said, this is really going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> and, and I said, it's nothing that I haven't said or written before. It's just all collected in one spot. So anybody that has a problem with it, it's their problem, because it's my honest assessment of the way the NFL operates. And the NFL is the greatest product from a sports standpoint in the country, if not on the planet, because no matter what it does by way of making missteps, unforced errors, controversies, scandals, things that have been mishandled from a business standpoint, it's still making more money than anything else, still gathering a live audience like nothing else. It, it, it almost has to try to impede its progress. And even if it tries it's still going to continue to grow and grow and grow, Dan.
0: But I remember when Mark Cuban came out and said, you know, that the NFL's got to be careful. Uh, you know, when you're adding Thursday night football, and um, I think he was talking about uh, hogs get fat and get slaughtered. Uh, can you see an oversaturation at any point with the NFL?
2: I remember that well. Pigs we could get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And for a while, I was concerned about that. But. I just think our appetite for football has not yet reached the point where anyone would say, okay, that's enough. We always want more. No matter how much more we get, we want more. The transition to Thursday was a little clunky, and there were concerns about it from a health standpoint. And those are real concerns. And there were players who complained about it. Richard Sherman called it a poop fest, one of my all-time favorite quotes from any player. But you know what? The NFL just keeps its head down keeps going, and now Thursday night is baked in to the schedule. We would be feeling as if something's off if we didn't have Thursday night football. And you just have to wonder as the season continues to grow, and I think 18 games is just a matter of time, will they look for other windows Tuesday night, Wednesday night? What else will they do? Because, Dan, with legalized gambling, is going to drive this bus. They're going to look for ways to have more one game at a time that millions can watch and bet on not just the bigger wagers, one play at a time, the technology that will beam the games into our houses. So as we're watching it, it's exactly what's happening at the stadium. We get 40 seconds between plays to make our next bet. It basically becomes a casino that invade your home whenever there's a game on. So I think they're going to expand the season and they're going to spread out the windows so people can tune in for more of these games so those opportunities for people to bet will be maximized.
0: Could you see us exporting the Super Bowl in the next decade?
2: I'd be stunned if it happens. I think they like to talk about it from time to time. I think it's part of the tease that the NFL engages in with the U.K., just to get them thinking, "Oh, maybe someday we'll have the Super Bowl." I mean, how can you how can you play the Super Bowl at 11:30 p.m. local time kickoff? How could you do that? That's what they would have to do if they're going to play a Super Bowl in London at some point. Now, to the average American fan, it doesn't matter. It looks the same on the TV. All the London games look the same. It's no big deal. 99% of the fans or more aren't going to ever go to a Super Bowl in their lifetime. They're watching it on TV. It doesn't matter where it's played. But I think I think the, the the allure of that helps grow the sport internationally. And before you get to a point where a Super Bowl is played in a place like London, you'd have to have a team there. And I I think that continues to be this vague promise that's on the table. And I think there would be two teams. They got two NFL stadiums. And I think if there was ever one team in London, there'd be two teams in London. All
0: right, let me get to the poll question today. Seton, would you give uh, Mike Florio the wording on our poll question today?
1: Yesterday's letter from Kyler Murray's agent was best for the Cardinals or Kyler?
2: Is there a C, neither? I, I mean, I, I don't think it really helps anybody. But it's, how about this, the rest of us? because it allows the rest of us to understand what's really going on here. These vague reports we've seen in recent weeks, Kyler Murray taking the team off of his social media platforms, the Chris Mortensen report from Super Bowl Sunday about Kyler being self-centered, immature, and finger-pointing. Here, here's the problem, Dan. It used to be if you were a quarterback who did well enough to earn a second contract, the default was you became the next highest-paid player In league history and it would go up about a half million per year for each guy and that went on for six seven eight guys in the past two or three years that's changed you've got a 15 million dollar per year spread from number one down to number 10. so yeah the cardinals want to sign the guy but what do they want to pay him they want to pay closer to 30 i believe than 45 and his agent, Eric Burkhardt, who also represents Cliff Kingsbury, which makes it even more awkward for the team, <laughs> Burkhart's going to want closer to 45, if not more. And, and one of the points Burkhart made recently in response to the notion that Aaron Rodgers deserves 50 million, if not more, when you have announcers making 20 million a year, when Pat McAfee's getting $30 million a year from FanDuel, there's money in the system to support more for the guys who are actually playing the game. And I think that's where we're going to see this going. Murray's going to be the first test case of how much Burkhart tries to get and how much the Cardinals are willing to pay.
0: I haven't heard anything about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is far more worthy of an extension than Kyler Murray is.
2: Well, here's the problem. Lamar Jackson decided for whatever reason, and this is an individual personal decision that players need to make. He's decided to not have an agent. And when you make that decision, yes, you are going to save the one, two, or three percent is his emission. mom still representing him? Well, yeah, but you know, here's the problem. There's really no one who's engaging with the Ravens. The Ravens were ready to sign him last year, but no one from Lamar's camp would engage them in real meaningful negotiations aimed at getting a contract done. And if anything, you could argue his injuries last year. And his overall performance last year may have may have damaged his leverage. And now they have a guy in Tyler Huntley that he's not Lamar Jackson, but he can run the same offense and dollar for dollar for what it would take to keep Huntley around versus what it's going to take to make Jackson happy. Once they find out what that is, that, that's the reality. And, and I, when hmm. Josh Allen did his deal, Dan, same draft class. 43 million a year. When I saw the details of that deal, because I knew when I saw the initial report, once I see the details, I'm going to know, do the Ravens want to do this same deal with Jackson or does Jackson want this deal? As Soon as I read it and understood the details, this is a deal Jackson should want. So all he had to do was go into Eric DeCosta, the GM of the team, and say, "Let's take the Josh Allen contract. Let's scratch out Buffalo Bills and put in Ravens. Scratch out Josh Allen, put in Lamar Jackson. Let's just do mm. that. That's what they should have done, and it would have been in both sides' interest. Because it's awkward for the Ravens to not have an agent to talk to. Because when there isn't an agent, you know, sometimes you got to speak some hard truths in the negotiation. They can't do that with Lamar Jackson. They risk alienating him if they tell him why you know they don't want to pay him fifty million a year. So it's a tough spot for everyone. But I feel bad for Jackson." Because he should have his deal by now. And because he's decided to go without an agent, he doesn't have it.
0: I didn't have an agent for a long time. And when you sit down with, I sat down with Dick Ebersall. So here's one of the legendary sports figures in this business. And he couldn't do it. He said, I I, I can't, I can't have these conversations. I'd never done this where I had the conversation about a contract with the person, not an agent. And he passed it off to, you know, the guy underneath him who had no problem in telling me some of my limitations there, but he, <laughs> but he couldn't do it. He just said, no, it's too awkward there. And I just remember walking out of his office and my wife said, how did it go? I said, he couldn't have a conversation with me about it. He had never done something like that. Uh, the NFL offseason, the overtime rule, the competition committee. To me, it feels like this is there's a logical end game here and it's just both teams get a chance to have the ball and maybe it's just in the postseason. Like, I don't know how you modify this. Um, you know, how do you tweak it? But it feels like, Hey, you score a touchdown. We still get a chance. And then everybody's going to be happy here. Is, is yeah. it as simple as that, Mike?
2: It really is, Dan, and in the days up to the Super Bowl when we had the five-hour pregame show and I had to go shake the trees to try to have something to actually, you know, talk about when they put the camera on me and said go, one of the things I tried to delve into was what's going to happen with postseason overtime. And, And it's, as of three weeks ago, it's more of a matter of which way is the wind blowing, but it was blowing in this direction. Guaranteed possession for each team. No gimmicks. Nothing different than just playing football, but it would be in the postseason only. Now, the Colts have proposed a change that would apply postseason and regular season. I don't think they're going to touch regular season. They don't want to extend the games in the regular season. In fact, I'd be fine with them going back to straight sudden death in the regular season just to get the game over with and let the teams get ready for the next week. And I won't be surprised if that happens Mm. at some point Mm -hmm. But for the postseason You got to guarantee a possession to each team you can't have these results not with the rules so skewed toward offense the just play defense argument doesn't work in 2022 it may have worked in 1982 it doesn't work now because the rules are too conducive and when you get to the postseason you've got the best quarterbacks they're more likely to drive down the length of the field and score a touchdown and and walk off the winner i i I think that it's going to end up being a guaranteed possession and a great strategic decision to be made by the team that matches. You're down seven, you score. Do you go for two in the win or the loss? Or do you go for one and then kick off knowing it's now sudden death?
0: He's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, live co-host, and his new book is called Playmakers, Guaranteed to Upset Everybody in the NFL. comes out <laughs> March 15th can be purchased online wherever books are sold. You had the Sean Payton Tom Brady story on Pro Football Talk. And the Dolphins were interested in coupling these two guys. When when did this story emerge? Like how close was this to fruition?
2: Well, I first heard about it even before Sean Payton resigned from the Saints. And it's something that's been lingering and building. And we got to a point last week where we thought there was enough there to report responsibly, not to be confused with my usual irresponsible reports, (laughs) that the Dolphins were indeed planning to make a run at a package deal of Peyton and Brady. And the Flores lawsuit killed it. Now, I don't know who decided to pull the plug. It's very easy to say the Dolphins realized we can't do this now. We can't do this This you know, wink, nod, set everything up ahead of time, get Sean Payton, get Tom Brady. We can't do that, given the content and the allegations and the gravity of the Brian Flores lawsuit. It's also possible the league said, you can't do that. And, you know, I've kind of heard rumors along those lines, but can't substantiate that the league intervened and said to the Dolphins, you can't do it. And, Dan, one thing that fascinates me, and and I'm trying to find out the answer to this question, how much of the Brian Flores lawsuit, for example, the allegation in there, That he was pressured by stephen ross the owner of the team to meet with a prominent quarterback in violation of the rules and everybody knows it was tom brady back in 2020 how much of the lawsuit was aimed at putting the kibosh on the peyton brady coupling in miami if flores knew it was coming if he'd caught wind of it did his lawsuit in part was it written in part, drafted in part, timed in part to keep the Dolphins from doing it? That's something I'm trying to find out. But that's fascinating. If Flores just decided, you know what, screw these guys. They 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 violated my rights. They fired me when I should have continued to be there. They tried to get me to do things that they shouldn't have expected me to do, and they got mad at me because of it. They got this grand plan for 2022. This lawsuit's gonna keep that plan from coming to fruition. It'd be fascinating if that was part of why Flores said what he said and did what he did when he did it. You're going Oliver Stone there on me. I mean, I, I listen, it's all. hey, we, we know this league well enough to know there's always something going on behind the curtain. That's why gun. we love it. But you've been
0: on this story before anybody, and that is Tom Brady to the 49ers. And that was, it feels like it's been a, at least a year, maybe a couple of years where you've toyed with it or th- thrown it out there or rumor innuendo. Can you still see Tom Brady playing again? And if so, is it for the 49ers?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I got to give Sims credit. He's the one that first brought that to fruition a couple of years ago that Brady wanted to play for the 49ers when he was a free agent after leaving the Patriots or while he was in the process of doing so. And the 49ers said, no, thank you. It's like, okay, good luck. Good luck with Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, I think the 49ers would would admit that that (laughs) they'd probably have a Super Bowl trophy or two if they had gone with Tom Brady instead of Jimmy G. But I think that Tom Brady, especially after this Sean Payton, Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady thing, I don't think he's retired, Dan. I think he's retired from the Buccaneers. That's what I think the retirement was. I think he's trying to find a graceful exit from Tampa Bay. He, he got his Super Bowl win. Last year, they took a step back. And now I think he is eyeing a place where he walks through the door with the deck stacked in his favor. And, and what place other than San Francisco? Give Trey Lance another season to sit. You walk into a team that's Super Bowl ready, that, that that is dangerous defensively, that has great weapons offensively. You got a quarterback who can make big throws in big spots. The 49ers become a shortlist Super Bowl favorite. If Tom Brady ends up there, the question is how much of a fight will the Buccaneers put up if he decides in June or July that he wants to leave? And I would say they owe it to him to give him what he wants. He brought a Super Bowl trophy to a team that had no business being in the Super Bowl and he filled the stadium last year. I think they should work with him and give him what he wants if that's what he wants to do. But I think he's coming back. I just think he's trying to find a way out of Tampa.
0: Are you willing to bet on that? How much? Like a pie to the
2: face. Oh, a pie to the face. I mean, pie to the face is nothing. It depends, I mean, unless it's like, you know, an acid pie. No, no, no. <laughs> it's It'll, just a, normal
0: pie. a pie of your choice. Anybody want to take Florio up on a pie to the face? Paulie, Paulie will say that Brady does not uh, not come back? Just the Niners we're talking, right? Just the Niners. I'll do it. Okay. So week pie to the one, face, Florio.
2: Wait, week one, Niners. If he's on the Niners, who takes a pie to the face? Paulie does. Paulie? Paulie does. And if he's not on the Niners, then I take the pie to the yes. face. Yes. Okay.
0: You come on the show, and maybe your wife can administer or uh, Chris Sims could administer a pie to the face.
2: Yeah, it may have to be a virtual pie to the face, but I, I'll tell you, my wife would very much enjoy the assignment yes. Yes, of slamming a pie into my face.
1: Yes, see. I feel like week one is a very important part of this bet. Why? Because couldn't you see Tom Brady maybe like somewhere later in the season joining? The 49ers? No, forty nine. You know, nothing Brady does is, you know, by accident. Like
0: everything is structured. Everything is planned out. I don't think he's going to go, you know, maybe I'll join them week six. I think if he's planning, then he's planning now and he would be there. He would want to be there week one. Last thing you want to do is all of a sudden Trey Lance plays well. And then you get Brady and you're like, why did we get Brady? Trey Lance is, is here. Pie to the face. I like that. Oh, I got got to ask you, because everybody has breathlessly been talking about this, that Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the London promo for the Packers (laughs) in the Abbey Road picture there. Uh, Where do you stand on this, Mike?
2: I think if you take the original 12-inch vinyl Abbey Road and put it on track three of side one and run it backwards, (laughs) it says Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. (laughs) They had no idea how
0: prescient they were. Oh, my God. I, we got to be finding out here soon. Doesn't it feel like today, with McAfee, I think he he's, announces what he's staying. I think he's, he's
2: staying. Think he's stay. Look, when, when the news comes out that they're working on a contract, why are you working on a contract if you're not staying? And it's smart for him to work out the contract before he gives him an answer because he's got leverage. Yeah. If he says I'm coming back now, let's work out a contract. They've, there's no leverage left to be had. And, I, and it's know, like you know this—they
0: this report that he wants fifty million dollars a year, to me is not surprising. Like you've talked about. If I'm the Packers, I just say, you know, I'm going to call your bluff. Here's two years, a hundred million dollars guaranteed. Exactly. That's it. Ball yep. game.
2: And and there's no owner in Green Bay that's siphoning off millions to, you know, go buy a super yacht. Yep. They, they can invest every penny they make back in the team, and they've raised like 70 million through their non stock stock sale. They can do this easily. I think he's going to stay. Dan, where else is he going to go and have a team around him like what he has in Green Bay? He's not going to walk in somewhere else and be a Super Bowl winner. His best chance is to stay in a division where the Bears have a new GM and coach. The Vikings have a new GM and coach. The Lions are in year two of their latest reboot. The schedule is favorable this year. They could be the number one seed again. The question is, can they finish the job and get to the Super Bowl?
0: Great to talk to you as always. And uh, good luck with the book. Thanks, Dan. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. And the book is called Playmakers. It's out March 15th. I got an autographed copy. I didn't know he autographed it until I... Had Paulie look at it. That was kind of awkward. It's like, Florio, you sent me a book. You didn't autograph He goes, <laughs> I did. Oops. I had to go back and, yeah, he did. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
1: Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball.
0: Bill Orms had an interesting uh, last couple of days. He covers the Lakers for the Athletic, and Bill, kind enough to uh, join us. How
3: would you describe the last couple of days, there, Bill? Oh, very low key, Dan. Just very, uh, yeah, very low key. Uh, it does turn out that when LeBron James uh, 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 says something about you or tweets about you, other people want to say things about you and tweet about you. So I've had a lot of I've had a lot of that over the last few days. But otherwise, pretty good. 80 degrees in Los Angeles yesterday.
0: Okay, but uh, tell the audience what you reported and why LeBron James reacted to that or how he did.
3: Well, so, I mean, obviously, after his comments uh, at All-Star Weekend about potentially returning to Cleveland and his various um, praise for other executives, on the heels of the Lakers not making a move at the trade deadline, there was a lot of um, tea leave reading and a lot of interpretation. And we're talking about LeBron James, who's one of the master – Master tweakers in the history of of, you know, uh, the organizations he works for and um, sub tweets and sort of, you know, trying to push buttons kind of behind the scenes. And so, um, you know, I reported, you know, several things kind of reported uh, related to LeBron, including, you know, that the subtext is that within the Lakers organization and sort of. Sort of um, along with the trend of the rest of the NBA and LeBron helped usher this in he has more power within the Lakers organization than any player ever has. And that includes Kobe Bryant. And um, and w- so what I you know basically wrote was that LeBron was using that platform in that moment to sort of apply pressure to the Lakers to get what he wanted from the Lakers, whatever that might be, whatever his vision, whether it's a contract extension, whether it's just to kind of hold the Lakers' feet to the fire a little bit more and remind them that he could potentially leave if things don't go his way. Um, and then in the aftermath of that, of course, LeBron, uh, you know, it's basically wrote that no one should listen to to me, I guess. But, um, (laughs) but, but, um, you know, we talked about it. We're good. But how was that? So he pulls you aside
0: and just wants to have a heart to heart, man to man conversation.
3: Uh, I just say, I would just say we talked about in the hallway. I had had his press conference and we had a conversation about it and, you know, I had a couple thoughts on it and he had a couple thoughts on it. And then, you know, it seems like we landed in a pretty good place.
0: Yeah, because it doesn't take you know that much time to connect the dot dots here of what he's saying how he's saying it and then all of a sudden hey um you guys didn't do anything at the trade deadline is it well let me ask you that it almost felt like the Lakers said look LeBron this is what you wanted you deal with it you you wanted Anthony Davis we gave up all those young players we gave up picks you wanted Russell Westbrook we wanted buddy healed you got it go you know make the best of it is that is that That's a fair assessment? Helmet.
3: Yeah, I think that's t- absolutely you know a, a reasonable assessment, and also any change they were going to make, even if it was the, um, even if it was the the John the John Wall trade, right, which made a lot of sense. John Wall is also a client of Clutch Sports, which you know is Clutch is LeBron. LeBron is Clutch. Rich Paul uh, runs Clutch Sports. Um, that would have need, that would, that, that's a move that would have disadvantaged the Lakers, right? They would have had to give up that first-round pick in 2027 or even a, a pick swap in 2027, which, you know, is, you know, we don't know where the Lakers are going to be five years from now. That could end up being a really catastrophic pick swap. And so while you are in win-now mode, I think there was also a real healthy dose of reality from the Lakers to say, you know, we can be in win-now mode all we want. We can't win now. So there is a little bit of get to the offseason, get to, you know, make the best of this season. Maybe something breaks your way and, you you know, maybe you could win a playoff series if something really breaks your way. But um, get to the postseason and then, and then kind of lick your wounds and, and reassemble Then,
0: Do you think LeBron ends his career as a Laker?
3: I would say yes. I think, I think that, you know, I think that there was the you know, some saber rattling over the All-Star weekend. I don't think LeBron wants to go anywhere. I don't think it makes sense for him to go anywhere. I don't know that if he were to leave at age 38, 39, he's going to find another organization that is willing to give him the same sort of equity, you know, not not obviously actual ownership, but ownership of of, you know, action that the, the, the Lakers have unless it is a scenario where he is you know, going somewhere where he is literally going to become a part of the ownership group upon retiring or something like that. But I do think there is a real strong chance. I'd probably put it like 60, 40, right? I, I tip to him, him finishing his career with the Lakers. Um, you know, the brawny element is fascinating, but I, I still think it makes the most sense for, you know, this to sort of funnel brawny to the Lakers at some point for a year or two. And it, because again, I don't know. How many teams, like, I think you would have to be a team without a real direction or plan to say, well, our best path forward is to draft, a, a you know, draft Bronny James, uh, you know, assuming he's a draftable player, um, but not knowing really where he's going to be at that stage, you know, how, how much of a, like, a foundational type player he could be, and then to get a 40-year-old LeBron. Like, if that's your best path forward, um, then you really probably are at total rock bottom as an NBA franchise.
0: That sounds like something the Knicks would do, Bill.
3: Like I said, you'd have to be a total rock bottom <laughs> as an NBA franchise.
0: Yeah. I don't even know if Bronny can play at that level. I I've watched high school games. Hell, I look good in high school, Bill. So I, I don't know if I'm a team, do you call LeBron's bluff and you draft Bronny a lot higher
3: than he would probably normally have gone? I mean, I think that's the thing that people, uh, I, I mean, we're still talking about LeBron two years from now yeah. and we've and. While LeBron is still putting up massive numbers, you know, he's averaging, you know, know, he's averaging MVP caliber numbers. Um, He's had way more injuries than he's had in his career. He has started to look his age a little bit more. Even if you watched the other night uh, in the loss to New Orleans, he didn't seem to have the same burst. And he, he mentioned, you know, kind of acknowledged that he, you know, didn't look great, even though he had 32 points. I think that knee's bothering him. So this year he's had the knee. He's had he's had an ab strain. He's had an ankle injury. Last year he had the bad ankle injury. So these things are starting to add up. So who's even going to know, who even knows where LeBron's going to be in two years and whether a team is going to see that two for one deal as the, you know, as the, as the, you know, as the steal that we might think of it now. How are the Clippers, by the way? Uh, They're, I mean, they're, they're fun, right? I mean, we saw them last week against the Lakers and again against... Uh, We'll see them again this week. That's that's a really fascinating team because they kind of like before they got Kawhi and Paul George, they have such a strong identity that sort of transcends their stars. Um, And then you can bring those stars in, you know, so if Kawhi PG Norman Powell, if there's a scenario those guys got back for a play in for the postseason, it would be a really like, you know, unbelievable development. And it would it would really add some spice to the postseason. How would you uh,
0: rate Steph Curry's All Star performance?
3: I mean, just all time. I mean, he's just all time. I mean, it, I don't know what against what benchmark to you know judge things happening in an All Star game. Like you know, he could make thirty threes in an All Star game, and I don't know that I would be like that bowled over, but to see him just go out and have that kind of performance, you know, knock down all those threes, the joy that he brings to the game, watching everybody else kind of embrace him. Um, you know, he is, you know, we get very caught up in LeBron and, you know, Kevin Durant, and, but Steph Curry has, you know, really dominated this decade and to have kind of that sort of signature performance on an exhibition stage, I think it's just like one of those other feathers in the cap of, of a Hall of Fame career. And I've said this before,
0: I don't know if you agree, but I'll bring it up that, you know, Michael had such an impact. In fact, the NBA is still trying to kind of get out from his shadow there. But what Steph Curry has done, he's done more for more basketball players than I think Michael's style. Michael entertained us, but we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. We feel like we can do what Steph Curry does, and I think he'll have a, a greater impact on the game uh actual playing than than michael will what do you think it's funny we had a
3: conversation in 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 an interview setting with malik monk a few weeks ago and it was we were asking malik monk who has had a great year for the lakers whether he um was disappointed he wasn't in the slam dunk contest and he said no like i'm the more disappointed i wasn't in the three-point contest it's like why why the slam dunk contest is so much cooler and he was like and our point was because anybody can shoot a three-pointer and he's like not like me (laughs) And I think that that is, I think that is the, I think that is the kind of the same idea where Steph Curry took this thing that felt very relatable and that anybody could like go out on the court and do. And you could sort of feel like Steph if you knock one down. And he's made it feel cooler than dunking. He's made it feel as unreachable as, you know, jumping, you know, higher than you could jump because he does it at such an unbelievable, in, at such an unbelievable level. And the video that was going around from pregame the other day where he made 13 straight shots, he did his whole shooting routine from every distance, you know, moving all the way back up to half court and then all the way back into the paint um, was, you know, just – I do think we take for granted, like, that he has actually perfected the most fundamental skill of basketball.
0: And maybe John ja Morant will bring back the dunk because, you know, for a, a smaller guy – he attacks the hoop like Derrick Rose did when he first came into the NBA. And everybody yeah. wants to shoot threes. Jaws bringing it every night. He bringing it to anybody, everybody.
3: Well, and like people will always love a small guy who can dunk. And like, I mean, to see Jaw at his size, you know, fly through the air. And like you said, at anybody over, over great shot blockers, the less, the best shot blockers in the league, he is, um, you know, completely, ugh, I mean, dunking, I think at a certain point got kind of passe, right? Yeah. Like you watch the dunk contest, they're kind of out of moves to do. They're, you can only go between your legs so many times, behind your back, off the balance, off the backboard, off the side of the backboard. You, we've seen it all. But we haven't really seen a guy, I mean, even D. Rose didn't, like, did, really didn't like put it down on guys like we've seen Ja do over, over these couple of years, he's been in the league. I mean, he is to me one of the, the three or four guys in the NBA. I would actually, I would pay my own money to like go sit in like the nosebleeds just to watch play basketball.
0: Who were the others? Oof.
3: Can I have five?
0: Yeah, sure. LeBron, Steph. Oh, are you saying LeBron just because you got to be nice to him now?
3: No, Le- Le- LeBron James is still <laughs> worth the price of admission. Come on. <laughs> Very much the, worth the worth the price of it. Okay,
0: all right. all right, you're kissing. LeBron, us to LeBron, Steph, KD,
3: and Giannis, Jokic, both both are in there.
0: Okay, all right, that's six. Yeah, I
3: like I I
0: people are talking about Demar Derozan. I said, when's the last time an MVP candidate didn't have a highlight that you remembered? And Demar Derozan doesn't have any highlight. He doesn't make the highlights. It's just you look at the box score and you go, man, he scored thirty again. Um, Jokic, it feels like his passing stands yeah. out more than anything else. John Moran is going to have signature plays here. Uh, the Greek freak has signature play. I don't know how much that factors in, you know, with MVP voters of the style that, the, you know, being a performer um, that goes along with how valuable you are to your team.
3: I think it, I think it helps just in the sense of having, you know, you know, something in your mind's eye, right? Like the kind of that signature moment or that defining sort of characteristic or trait. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's game has never been flashy or that highlight worthy. It's it's always been sort of, you know, it's been accumulation like, oh man, he knocked down nine, nine mid-range jumpers or he, <laughs> he finally shot some threes, you know, whatever he does um has never been flashy and what what it's been to me has been the accumulation and the consistency with that Bulls team the Bulls obviously being atop the west or excuse me the east and having you know really come out of nowhere I mean I don't think anybody saw them as uh as as a contender or having you know a good off season but it felt like you know you overpay for Demar. you know who knows about Lonzo and, and Caruso and those everything they did has has hit and so DeMar's in the conversation not only because he's individually playing like an MVP, but because he's elevated his team. But you're right in the sense that not—I don't think highlights win MVPs, but I do think having sort of memorable, memorable moments and, and memorable games to sort of to sort of stick in voters' minds does matter. But I almost feel like DeMar's numbers and the fact that he kind of did has come out of nowhere this season. I mean, always a very good player, every year borderline All Star. But then now be putting up the numbers that he's putting up to me, that is almost the highlight. The highlight is the fact you can't, you can't disregard him. You don't forget him because it's been so unexpected for him this year.
0: Yeah. It's almost like an overnight sensation that took 10 years in the making with uh, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, play nice this week, Bill. Okay. I'll try. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank At, you, Dan. Uh, Bill Orem, the Lakers writer for The Athletic. You imagine you write this and then all of a sudden you had some people who were upset with Bill Orem and then LeBron says, uh, hey, come here. LeBron wants to talk to you. And, you know, while he said, hey, I wasn't the source of this story and you know that somebody was and sources run the game and all of those things. But, you know, this is what you do when, when you get stared down by somebody. And it's happened to me before. When you report something, uh, Lawrence Taylor, I thought, was going to punch me. Uh, when I was covering him, when he uh, had to have a press conference talking about being uh, suspended, cocaine use, uh, Alex Rodriguez, I thought he was going to punch me in the Rangers locker room. But, you know, if I, I was always told, show up. Always show up. If, if you say something, you report something, show up in front of that person. Then if they want to say something to you, they can. And it's difficult. Because here you are, you're being critical of LeBron James. And, you know, he's got a big social media platform there. But if you're doing your job, you're doing your job. And you can't play nice with everybody. Yeah, Paul. Can
2: you imagine you're Bill Orham, the, re- the reporter, and you're in the hallway and you're talking to LeBron. You're like, oh, this is, this is the conversation. that's happening right now. And all the other reporters yeah. are watching you because they're reporting on what's going on with those two. That's got to be a weird situation.
0: There were no baseball reporters in the Rangers' locker room that day. When I went in, and I, I didn't go in to confront Alex Rodriguez. I went in to talk to Alex Rodriguez. I think A-Rod was going to confront me, but I just went in to kind of clear the air, and I, it wasn't going to happen. He was mad at me with you know the interview that I did with him where he talked about Derek Jeter. And, and the thing I never understood about that is I told A-Rod that you know, we were taping the interview. He didn't say something was off the record and he was really upset with me because this blew up because he was critical of Derek Jeter. And then he does an interview with Esquire Magazine, I think, or GQ, and says the same exact things to the writer, Scott Rabb. And I went, how can you be mad at me when you said the same thing on record to Scott Rabb? And he reported, you know, he wrote this uh, article in GQ or Esquire. I went, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, A-Rod and I have had a frosty relationship ever since then, but I still felt I needed to hear his side of the story of why he was so upset with me.
2: Yeah, Paul. Uh, Five-minute poll question. Who appears on this show before it's over? Commissioner Goodell, Alex Rodriguez. And I'm not sure which way I would bet. I'm going to say neither. You have to pick them. Oh, one. I got to pick one. You got to. like If there's
0: odds. Let me let me take a break here. We'll take a break. And uh, I'll have to give that some some deep Deep thought here, consideration. Because the commissioner has been on the show, but when somebody is <laughs> guest hosting, that and I think Alex Rodriguez has been on the show when somebody else is guest hosting. correct about both. Yes,
2: But not. I thought he was on the show with uh, you not too many years ago where something about you're not welcome in the house, but you're on the porch where it looked no, like I, you were making some progress.
0: I, I said, how long would it take for me to get inside your house to know you played baseball? He goes, oh, you're not going to get in my house. That was, gonna... that was at least 15 years ago, by the way.
1: Yeah, that... Yeah, I don't think I'm even getting into his neighborhood now. Yeah, Seaton. Don't you get the sense, though, that either one of those dudes could call into the show tomorrow and be like, no, what do you mean? Oh, I'm sure. No, no, the commissioner. I'm sure the commissioner
0: probably is, you know, oblivious to this.